And what we are doing at Worley is really using the development and framework of skills to help parents see what are the gaps and the stuff they've played with and, and therefore uh, what else could they borrow from us and to make sure that they are aware of this um, and it may be implicit unconscious biases that mean that traditionally what happens is that they've borrowed maybe not enough STEM products for, for their daughters or maybe for the boys they haven't borrowed enough creative thinking um, type of products as well. So that's our approach to this. Again, really providing parents with that information and transparency and framing it around holistic education and holistic development. Welcome to Jimmy's Jobs. I have a few passions in life, entrepreneurship, business, podcasts, and politics. My other great passion before any of these was football, specifically Derby County. Derby County, a club that was part of the original founding football league and has existed for 138 years and is managed by England's highest ever goalscorer, Wayne Rooney. Derby earlier this season were put into administration and have been deducted a record 21 points. But unfortunately, it has the potential to get even worse. For complex reasons, the club now stands at the precipice and could well go out of existence within the next two weeks. Because the dispute has rumbled on so long, there is understandably a lack of awareness about how serious the issue is. And that is why I am throwing my weight behind the various campaigns to get the issue up the national agenda. You may well just be a general football fan. If this is something that you care about, head over to my Twitter page at JimmyM and there's a template there for how you can write your MP and what you can ask them to do. And also follow the hashtag SaveDerby. I have wanted to interview today's guest for quite some time. Nigel is the founder of a company called Worley. And as you heard in the last episode with Rishi Sunak, we are expecting our second daughter in the spring. All the cliches about parenthood are true. It changes your perspective on everything. One of the things that changes most dramatically is the amount of toys that are around the house. I am terrified that child number two could lead to a doubling of the toy rate. And that is where Worley come in. They are a toy subscription service, meaning that once a child has lost interest in a toy, which, believe me, can happen with surprising regularity, you can return it and swap it for another one. Worley are hiring like crazy at the moment, and I love researching toys of the future and how they impact child development. Worley have raised a round of $5 million from our headline partners for this series, The Octopus Group. The Octopus Group are a collection of eight entrepreneurially-minded businesses who look to back the people, ideas and industries that will change the world. And they have also backed this podcast since Series 2 as well. So let's dive into today's episode with Nigel from Worley. Nigel, welcome to Jimmy's Jobs. Thank you for having me. And so tell us about the idea of where you came up with Worley, because a lot of the entrepreneurs that come on the show are solving a problem that they've encountered, but you're not actually a parent. Yes, it's a really funny story, I think, and quite rightly so. Uh, you point out that, especially in the parenting sector, many parent entrepreneurs uh, experience the problem firsthand and they try to solve it for themselves and for other parents. I first stumbled upon this problem when I was uh, going through that life stage where I wasn't quite ready to start a family yet, but all my friends uh, started having their first kids. And every time we went out for lunch or dinner, they would talk about, obviously, the new bundle of joy at home. But they also talk about all the frustrations that come alongside with that. 
namely uh, what they describe as transient goods. These are all products like push chairs, prams that are quite expensive and really difficult to figure out whether you've purchased the right one. It's toys that take up a lot of space in the living room that you step on in the morning when you're trying to get your coffee. Um, and it all adds up to a considerable expense when you think about all the purchases over that life cycle. Um, and then it all adds up to considerable waste as well when you think about how many uh, pieces of items you've bought used for maybe a few weeks, a few months at best before you put it away in the shed or in storage <laughs> until it fills up over a decade or so. Or you convince yourself you're waiting for the next child is the other exactly sort of right. <laughs> classic, uh, classic example of that. And talk us through your career a bit before that, because you were one of the youngest partners at McKinsey and Company, which is the kind of preeminent sort of business consultancy and so on. So talk us through that, because that must have been an amazing training ground for this, but it's also quite different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a bit of background on me, I grew up in Singapore, came to the UK over 15 years ago now to for my higher education. When I graduated, um, I had a degree in electrical engineering, but decided to abandon a bit of my technical training in favour for professional services. Joined McKinsey in the London office as a graduate analyst. I became a junior partner uh, five years later in our consumer goods and consumer retail practice. Um, you know, obviously, really proud of the work I've done there and the progression there. Not easy work, I have to say, uh, off the top, uh, quite transparently. Uh, but I find that especially when you're young, hungry in your early 20s and you really want to learn a lot and learn very quickly, it was such a good uh, ground for me to gain a lot of experience, not just solving business problems, but actually quite importantly as a founder, I really appreciate my uh, experience on the people side of things, whether it is dealing with uh, difficult client situations, which translates really well to how a you know relatively young father needs to sit across the table from uh, a toy supplier who's been there, done that for 20, 30 years and convinced them to supply worthy. Uh, or whether it is understanding how to recruit, build a team, manage a team, uh, how to manage performance, how to take care of your team as well. These were all experiences that I gained from McKinsey and you know rising quite quickly there, also having the responsibility against large teams as well, I thought was really important. And I think lastly, of course, that helps with the credibility when you go out to market, when you think about fundraising, when you think about your own personal story. I think every founder should ask themselves when they start the venture, are they actually ready themselves? Do they feel like they have the right kind of skill sets to do what they're about to do and what's expected of them? And when I uh, left McKinsey, uh, I really felt that I checked all of those boxes. And one of the reasons why I felt so confident and felt so energetic for the experience at Worley was because of that foundation as well. So when you make sort of decision to leave McKinsey and go after a, a kind of toy subscription service, where did the name Whirly come from? That's a really good question. Um, naming is something that's very difficult and personal to founders. I worked with a branding agency called um, Rackadage to come up with the branding initial naming for Whirly. I still remember they presented, I think, maybe 30, 40 options um, yeah. in our, uh, from the first set of um, brainstorming. And I rejected every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, really fun team. We work really well together. Uh, but it's just something that, you know, there's so many practical considerations. When I thought about what would be a perfect name for the business, I said quite clearly, it needed something to be memorable. It needed something that parents would identify with. But also children need to be able to find the word fun and playful to say. Yeah. And it needs to invoke kind of like the connotations of what we're trying to do. Um, and so the team went away, came back with a second iteration. And when I heard the word whirly, 
which is derived from the toy, a whirly gig, uh, you know, something that goes round and round and it has that connotation that yeah, I was looking yeah. for. It has that playfulness, that fun, it's something that parents can uh, identify with something that kids can playfully say. I knew immediately that it was D1. Yeah, <laughs> uh, It's a little bit cliche, but uh, and then ever since that, it felt so natural. It was uh, hard to imagine. We went through that process. We went through 40, 50 names. It came up with what feels like really the name for us. And how much money did you use at the start? Because that is quite a, um, you know, getting a branding agency involved yeah. and so on is, yeah. is will have been a decent outlay. How did you go about starting the company? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I was in a fortunate position to be able to use some of my personal savings from my corporate career, uh, plus also some savings with my friends and family to uh, make a few initial investments. You know, I think for every founder entrepreneur that's listening, what's really important in the early stages is understanding what you need to invest in for the long term and what drives real return. So branding was specifically something I thought yeah, there are two routes to this. One, you could get a freelancer. I could think up of a name myself or you could get maybe even a university student to do it uh, on the cheap, so to yeah. speak. But at the end of the day, we are a consumer venture. Branding is so important, um, especially when you think about then later on trying to get institutional fundraising. What you don't want to present is a venture that needs significant rework um, and so yeah. significant rebranding and the costs associated with that. Um, and so why I did the start was effectively budget what are some of the things that I think are um, really things that we need to invest in and get right off the bat. As in, therefore, we should try to invest well in that. Um, and branding was one of them. Um, as a minor warehousing was another one. A small kind of a technical MVP was again another thing because obviously the importance of tech and everything we do in the startup world. Uh, and so then put together a few hundred thousand pounds, went out to kind of like uh, get this um, done properly. And then everything else, we kind of bootstrapped. We went as cheap as we could. Um, you know, I, I didn't hire my first employee until maybe nine months after yeah. starting Worthy. So I spent a long time trying to do every single thing by myself. I think we even launched the MVP for Worthy and started having customers without a customer service agent. And so uh, the team still have very fond memories of me sometimes in the middle of a meeting needing to pause because someone came on the live chat and I'm the customer service agent that had to kind of deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the first employee you hired hired for then? I mean, I know I know they'll do a whole range of things, but what was the thing you thought I really can't do this anymore? Yeah, so the first one we hired for was um, our warehouse operations. Yeah, and this was because we started wanting to be able to send parcels, do that well, uh, and then make sure you know, it's a core part of our business as usual activity. Just the operations of picking, packing toys, making sure they're in good quality condition, uh, and then when the toys come back to us, checking it, cleaning it, sanitizing the toys. And the low scale, obviously quite a labor intensive process. And so yeah. that was the first person we hired for and um, someone to help us manage that kind of BAU process in the warehouse. What was your first toy on the platform? So we actually started with around 300 toys. Uh, one of okay. our biggest successes has been building out our range. And you know, earlier on, again, like I said earlier, I'm really proud of what we've been able to do to convince suppliers, brands and manufacturers to work with us in what we describe as the retail model of the future for them. And so we started with a very small selection, 300-ish toys, and we did. We knew that it wasn't enough to satisfy. Uh, yeah, I don't know about your girls, but yeah, they, they have a really broad range of interest, these kids. Uh, and so we knew that we wanted to be customer-led uh, and understand what the feedback was and then go out and grow our range in line with customer feedback. And today we've got 1,000, 1,200 toys on our platform, so we've grown it considerably. The, the very first toy that made a full journey through our sharing economy that always sticks in my mind 
Um, and this is a uh, Fisher Price uh, zebra walker. I'm not sure you're familiar with yeah, the yeah. walkers that you know help your kids balance and take your first steps. Um, really uh, fun toy. It's a unfortunately a bit hunky uh, chunk yeah. of plastic, um, bit garish. Um, it was the first toy that ever left our warehouse, and then a month or five weeks later, it came back into our warehouse again as a return and as a swap from some of our first customers. And this, there was a real moment of clarity for me when this toy came back. Um, myself and Rafiq, who, who was our first staff in the warehouse, we looked at it. It's like, it looks in really good condition, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, we cleaned it a little bit. And then the next day, another customer ordered the Fisher-Price Zebra Walker. And so we said, okay, let's go get the one that's already been used, not something new off the shelf and see if it's in good enough condition. And we send that off and the customer is really happy. So that always sticks in my mind because that's the very first toy that made a circular loop from yeah. one customer back to us, back to another customer. And really, that was the physical embodiment, that the tangible feeling of like, this works. Uh, and, and all the hypotheses we had around durability about cleanliness, it, it really works as well. Yeah, no, that's, um, I mean, look, from a kind of parenting perspective, it is, you know, the, those walkers and whatever is a classic thing of where it actually takes up a lot of space. And the kids, every kid needs one. But actually, once they've cracked walking, they do it within about forty-eight hours, and then they're off, kind of running and and so exactly. on. So it's like it is a it's a great kind of example of how that um, can work. And talk to us a bit more about the kind of like pitching to the investor side and so on. I won't just ask questions as a parent, but they they talk about sort of you know the service addressable market and the total addressable market. What is your kind of pitch? Because since that initial kind of bootstrap phase, you know, we said in the intro you've raised five million from the likes of Octopus and so on. What is your kind of pitch to to them and going forward, how big could this market be? Yeah, I think the first thing is to recognize that what we're building at Worley is really sharing economy, logistics, and service uh, for family households. Today, we start with a category of toys, um, namely because it exhibits really good dynamics for us. It's uh, durable products. It's easy to ship. It's got good value, unit economics, etc. Uh, but subscribers already come to us and say things like, Look, we love our Worley subscription. We love our ser the service. When I look around the house, there's so many things I could borrow from you guys if you guys had that as well. And so, you know, we like to think about our core market being the category of children's toys, of which in the UK, it's a market that's worth three to five billion annually um, in our priority markets, including the US and EU, something like 50 billion of annual sales. Um, and this is a core category that has seen giants um, come before. Um, I think... Many of our customers have fond memories of Toys R Us. I myself remember, even in Singapore, 20-something um, odd years ago, uh, the magical experience of going to those stores. Um, and when Toys R Us, um, unfortunately, went bankrupt and went to administration globally in 2018, they had $10 billion of annual sales, annual revenue. So this is a category that's fundamentally big when you think about just toys. It's a category that's fundamentally really dynamic with lots of different players whether it's content producers that are big like Disney producing content and licensing and merchandise or even things like Peppa Pig Paw Patrol etc yeah I'm sure Go familiar on. names in your household um, but then, then when you layer on the potential to enter um, other markets as well um, you know we think yes maybe one day we could facilitate uh, parents borrowing um, pushchairs and prams uh, instead of purchasing it because it's a really expensive purchase if you want to buy it new and the real considerations over you know, how expensive of a pram do you want. 
um, we even think about uh, things that you see in your nursery, maybe your cot, uh, for example, uh, or even more practically for day-to-day use um, clothes, because I think um, you know children in the first few years of their life, they grow through something like seven to eight kind of sizes. Um, and that's something that also goes uh, really quickly through a consumer's home. So where can we keep growing into? Where can we end? We think fundamentally the sharing economy will be the next uh, kind of mode of consumption for sustainability conscious, ethical kind of uh, consumers. Um, and where we're positioning ourselves is to be the leader in that specifically for parents and specifically for family households, recognizing that this is a you know, important life stage that's often quite stressful um, on people's headspace, on their budgets, on their kind of uh, even space that they have at home. And the sharing economy can play a really big part in facilitating parents borrowing all of this. Yeah, and that's also one of the things we've talked about as well before is that it's not just toys that you're you're doing there are other sort of educational things such as books and and so on that you've you've got on there and you know it's quite amazing to to see and we were reflecting on this earlier like the kind of the the evolution of kind of what kids play with and what they read has kind of in some ways it's it's barely changed right and it's wonderful as a parent you're kind of reading the same things that you were read to as a child um but there is also the kind of new thing now in the modern world in this century of things being able to be developed much quicker and so forth and the example i was kind of thinking about was like peter rabbit and the (laughs) the the story in that i was i was thinking the other day should almost come with a trigger warning you know it sort of talks about mr mcgregor be you know putting a rabbit in a pie and all this kind of thing and i was thinking gosh you wouldn't um that really wouldn't go down well with some guardian readers and um on that there are books now like ruby's worry and you know as the as rishi sunak was talking about in our last episode as well you know rebel time girls and much more kind of development books for kids in terms of trying to improve their their learning and and so on and just explain to us because that is something that you see as like one of the kind of core missions that you have is to try and improve kids learning and the fact is they're not just learning at nursery or school they're they're learning the whole time whilst they're playing absolutely and the way we talk about it is actually at home education um is something that sometimes can get a little bit underappreciated, that at-home education through uh, playtime specifically. Um, these are all really good opportunities for parents to teach kids, not just about um, hard skills, motor skills, um, uh, dexterity, etc., not just about academic skills, whether it's STEM, uh, but also things around um, anxiety, uh, mindfulness, um, independence, um, also things like values-based education, uh, one of my f- uh, favorite stories um, comes from one of the subscribers who uses uh, what's a really popular product in our range. Um, it's a wonky fruits and vegetable set. So it's a fruits and vegetable set, wooden toy. It comes with a knife where you can playfully cut it. It's Velcro-based, really lovely toy. Uh, but each piece of fruit in this set is slightly misshapen or, or slightly bruised. Um, and the whole idea is using these type of toys to teach children, for example that's quite okay to eat imperfect food. I mean, um, I, I know you had um, Tessa on the podcast. Uh, yeah, Tessa Clark from Olio, yeah. Of course, uh, and we all know that food waste uh, is an issue that you know, we should be tackling. Uh, one of the main causes of food waste is supermarkets effectively throwing away um, bruised fruit and not putting on the shelves because no one wants to buy them on the shelves. And so, you know, it's this really something that seems really innocuous and fun, it's just toys that can really have a very deeper meaning and impact um, for 
families, for parents and for their children in the education across these dimensions, including very values-based um, education as well that we think is really important. And, and as you point out, it, we find it as a really core part of our mission. Um, it is quite, I think, unfortunate when you look at some of the research and stats that show that even by school readiness, um, children that have come from a more affluent background where they are able to access a wider variety of toys mm. uh, do better already in those early years than kids that come from families that do not. Uh, and we think a lot about how Worley is great, not just for the environment, not just for sustainability, but by giving access to all families through a very cost-effective um, way of borrowing toys that we can also do something better for their children. Just talk to us about how parents actually kind of interact with the product because you have a token system That's for right. how it works so yeah. just talk us through that and explain how that works the, the easiest way to um or the easiest, easiest analog to our business is a library effectively and parents sign up to one of our plans uh, each plan gives them access to a number of tokens in our store uh, and so for example uh, just 9.99 a month gets you 80 worthy tokens to spend in our store uh, you can then borrow up to 80 tokens worth of product from us at any given point in time and so something that you might find at another retailer for 20 quid is around 20 tokens in our store and what this really means is that each family each parent can use their tokens to really personalize the experience for worldly you get to choose from as i mentioned earlier over a thousand products from our range you pick and choose exactly what you want based on your child's age your child's interest sometimes your own interests as well and then we send all of this down to you um, like you would receive them from any other retailer play for as long as you want uh, sometimes that means uh, a few months uh, off more often than not it actually sometimes means two to three weeks before you notice some toys getting unloved at, at home already. i saw the average was well the kids lose interest in toys after 36 days i saw right. on your website uh, yeah, yeah we and we um Parents tell us that uh, nearly one in four purchases go unloved within a single week, which is a really staggering figure. And when you extrapolate it across all the different households across the UK, you're talking about millions of toys. Um, Obviously, Christmas just passed, so you're talking about something like 10 to 20 million items of toys plus that are already probably sat in families' homes uh, unloved already. And so that's really staggering. Um, But the brilliance of the Worley model is that if something like that happens in your household, you've borrowed these toys and two or three weeks later, the the kids are bored of them, just send it back to us, um, put it back in a box, stick a returns label on it, reseal the box, we give you everything you need to do, uh, and then return it to us and just order something else and borrow something else like you would with a a normal library as well. For anything your kids really fall in love with, you can always buy it from us at a less than retail price as well. And so we've developed this proposition where parents take... um, the risk of uh, uh, the hit and miss of kind of shopping for products for their kids out of the equation. They can try everything and only keep the stuff that the kids really fall in love with or that they really develop sentimental value towards. Maybe it's a cuddly toy that your kids take to bed every night uh, or more often not actually a storybook that you read to your kid every night uh, often develops a lot of sentimental value that parents eventually buy that from us. Um, And what this really means is that uh, parents are being more savvy with their money. They're being able to uh, access a lot of different toys um, and then they're also um, not needing to add to the uh, issue of, of climate change um, and landfill waste um, as well. Yeah, no, I, it's something that's, you know, you think it's a small thing, but it's all the small steps that we can we can take oh. to to kind of take these on. And so talk to us a bit about the kind of jobs that, that A, you've got in the in the team at the moment and you're hiring for. Because, you know, if you think of a... Uh, a kid's first job of what they'd like to do working for a uh, a toy company would be pretty high up there so to- we get so many requests um of whether 
customers can come to a warehouse and sometimes kids can come in and watch. Yeah. I just, I think also the allure of knowing that in our warehouse, all the toys are unboxed. And again, because of the nature of what we do, so they're all on shelves, actually, you okay. can <laughs> run around and play with them. Um, it is really exciting. And fundamentally, what we do at Worley brings out the inner child in a lot of our team. Um, you know, We do have toys in our office that we play with. I, I show everyone for quality control purposes. That's yeah. what we're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, occasional games of double that we play yeah, with each yeah. other as well. Uh, also just for quality control. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, we've got a really fantastic team uh, at Worley. Um, uh, across uh, marketing, across brand, across kind of engineering, um, especially um, operations as well um, and, and customer service um, so the usual kind of um, responsibilities uh, and, and kind of functions in the retailer uh, what's really interesting for us this year and the roles that we're hiring for um, include uh, more more staff members to think about data and the use of kind mm. of data in our organization uh, we've got to a point where we've got close to have uh, 10,000 subscribers all making um, boring decisions, swaps, returns. That is incredible, by the way, just to Thank kind you. of touch on that. I mean, that 10,000, you know, from an idea that started a couple of years ago, that is that is serious <laughs> momentum behind this. Thank you very much. We're very proud of um, what we've managed to achieve. Uh, these customers are, you know, engaged, so engaged with the platform that uh, we are probably wanting to be able to take all their uh, all their kind of um, purchase decisions the kind of uh, data we have for how long they keep each toy for to be able to do more personalized recommendations for them because uh, something that we really want to improve is is help parents by saying look we know that every time you borrow let's say a toy car you return it in two weeks but every time you borrow something else maybe because it's wooden or maybe because it's uh, it's got education angle or maybe because it's got lights and sound uh, your family plays with it for two to three months. And so we think your children prefer these type of toys. Um, and so data engineering is a big focus for us uh, over the next 12 months. Um, so uh, elements like um, thinking more about um, our internal... And suggesting toys as well for parents as well, because that can often be the, like a challenge. Uh, you, know, you, you buy things that you don't end up knowing whether the kids are going to yeah, like. Absolutely. Um, it, it's... Um, it's really difficult, um, fundamentally. And this is one reason why we created the service where parents can choose for themselves. We don't want to, uh, especially in the early stages with the lack of data and the lack of like, proper data science models. Uh, you know, I can't sit here reliably tell you, Jimmy, what your two daughters would probably like from our service. And so that's why today we give all the choice. Uh, but over time, as we grow the sophistication and capabilities in our team, and as a subscriber builds a bit of history with us, we should be able to help them, again, not be prescriptive, but be suggestive around like, we think you might like this, and we think that you know this would be interesting because you haven't, for example, played for a toy that developed this kind of skills before when you play with a lot of other toys that develop, say, motor skills and whatnot, mm. but not language, for example. And th those kind of things are fundamentally really interesting for us. I think we'll deliver much improved kind of customer experience but also help drive um, a real kind of uh, vein of data throughout the entire organization, whether it's thinking about how we range toys and what does the data tell us about what new suppliers, new brands, new toys you might want to introduce, uh, or whether it's uh, from an operational perspective as well, telling us a little bit about uh, how do we ensure that the toys get maximum lifespan uh, and through our service. So data is a really kind of a big area that's a bit newer to us. It's very exciting for us to go out and hire for. Uh, but otherwise, we are hiring across the spectrum across uh, for this year as well, including more uh, classical roles in our customer services team, into our operation roles um, to, to support our warehouse, uh, into our brand roles as well, um, to think about how we grow uh, the worldly kind of brand and how we kind of tap into the large parenting communities that exist all over the country. 
Uh, and then also thinking about um, you know, CRM and customer relationship management as well. How do we improve the entire customer experience uh, over uh, their lifetime with us? What is the most popular toy on the platform? Yeah, so today, uh, what is uh, a, tra- a, gr- a category of toys that's really popular is wooden toys. Um, I mm. think it's unsurprising, especially given the eco-conscious cred- credentials of Whirly and also uh, the nature of therefore the audience that comes and subscribes to our service. Uh, another reason why it's really popular on Whirly is because wooden toys tend to be more expensive than their plastic equivalents. And so for a lot of families, um, you, you mentioned it earlier, it's about families being able to take little steps. Some families find it obviously quite difficult to afford these toys if you're purchasing new. Um, you know, if you're going to go for a 10, 12 pound kind of plastic toy, the kind of 25, 30 pound wooden version mm. seems like quite a stretch. Uh, and so through our service, we are letting parents uh, access these toys at a much lower cost to them. And so that's why some of these more expensive wooden toys are really popular. Uh, Montessori toys and educational toys are also really popular on our platform. Again, using your kind of example earlier of the things like walkers that you really don't need for a long period of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those are kind of things that um, parents love to borrow as well. Um, over Christmas, what we always see is that the bulkier, more expensive items get more popular naturally trying to um, do something special for, for their children for, for the occasion of Christmas. Uh, but also because uh, these are toys that parents sometimes don't want to have at their home for very long. Uh, you know, we have dollhouses that are two or three stories big and they take quite a lot of space and probably really good fun and something special you want to uh, maybe spoil your child for Christmas, but you don't really want that to be cluttering your house two months later, three months later. Yeah, corner. when it's when, the, yeah. when they've lost interest in it. And how have you found the, the, the questions there that you sort of touched on about marketing, getting in parent groups the yeah we've had Ari Last from Bubble and Rachel Carroll on from Koru Kids who are both kind of looking at the childcare aspect of this and trying to build trust on a digital platform has been um you know has been one of their biggest challenges and so on obviously yours is like a, a very different product but it's still I'm intrigued by how you go about trying to market to parent groups because it is one of the biggest changes in business over the last 10-15 years is the way that marketeering works and so i'd be fascinated by how you found that look i think it first of all always starts with uh, ensuring you have a really good individual customer proposition and individual customer experience Um, because what you'll find is that when you do that word of mouth um, becomes quite organic and natural through the parenting Mm. groups um and for us, we focus a lot nothing, on... The nothing th- spreads like for an NCT group. Exactly yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so for us, we focus a lot on that. Um, you, you mentioned like trust and that's absolutely right. I think parents especially need to ensure everything they do for their children, the service providers they work with are trustworthy um, and are reliable um, and, and don't you know, and kind of fit the theme of trying to do the best for their children. Um, and so when... Specifically to us in the context of Worley, when we first started out, uh, we did a lot of things to really build that trust. One of the reasons why the branding was really important as well, um, I said very clearly, I needed parents to come onto the Worley website and see that we were a high quality, high executional service and therefore they could trust us rather than things looking a bit amateurish. If the brand looking a bit amateurish, then again, just immediately don't develop that trust. Uh, We also think a lot about how 
uh, especially in the world of toys, parents can get squeamish over the idea of sharing toys, secondhand toys. I'm sure you've seen how yeah. your daughters play with some of their toys and, and you know, obviously gets can get a bit icky. And so we developed a really robust kind of quality assurance, quality control process. And this is why we invested in our own warehousing capabilities rather than outsourcing it, because then we could really guarantee the quality that every kind of parent receives. Um, you know, today we don't really get any questions around um, the kind of uh, the cleaning operation of what we do and hygiene despite the COVID pandemic. And I think this is really um, a validation of you know, all the work we've done to build that trust, all the work we've done to have really good individual customer experiences. Uh, and then all the work we've done also to have these customers talk loudly about us, whether it's on Trustpilot, where we're extremely well-reviewed service, or whether it's just naturally as they kind of talk about um, their own uh, parenting issues with their friends and families naturally talking about us. So, so we like to think of it you know, more from a kind of organic perspective. How do we just fundamentally do a good job? And I'm a firm believer that if you fundamentally do a good job and deliver customer experience, then uh, that organic kind of referral and that organic word of mouth through the parenting groups and parenting community will just come naturally. And that's the more authentic way to do it rather than try to buy yourself into these groups. Yeah, I think that's um, that's very very logical on that one of the things you talk about on your website that's so inspiring in the career section is the tagline is help us build the future of play <laughs> and if that's not an appealing proposition to anyone I, d I don't know what is um one of the roles you're looking for is a head of people yeah. what does that involve so the head of people uh, is going to really help us think about how do we attract uh, retain and develop the right kind of talent at Worley and how do we have the right kind of culture embedded in our organization um, and everything we do as well um, to really go after this mission of the future of play. Um, we are quite a mission and values-led organization as well, so we have quite strong perspectives of what we mean by the future of play. It can include things, for example, like um, the educational aspect of playtime and the importance of a variety of playtime supporting our, uh, our subscribers with that. Uh, and it can also include uh, different movements, for example, thinking about gender equality or, or rather more specifically what's known in the industry as gender neutrality for toys or let toys be toys. And so these are missions that are really close to our heart as well. Let toys be toys. Yep. That's, that reminds me of the West Wing where they talk about <laughs> let Bartlett be Bartlett yeah. for the American president. Um, what do you see the, the future of, of toys being? And talk to us about this industry a bit more in terms of, you know, are there big toy trade shows, toy fairs that you get to attend? Yeah, so the industry is a little bit traditional is the way I would describe it. Um, a lot of manufacturers, a lot of brands um, coming up with new toys um, uh, that uh, you know, um, I recently watched Jingle Jangle on Netflix yeah. I don't know if you have it at home but you know, it, it feels a little bit like that right you've got toy makers that go out there they design toys they do their research into what children might want and they try to come up with something novel uh, there, there are industry expos that happen every year uh, where these manufacturers and brands showcase their latest innovations latest products to retailers like us at Whirling we go around uh, really fun experience to be honest like a kid you go around this big expo you get to play with all this new stuff and you get to Decide, and we decide for ourselves at that session, does this toy really fit with the ethos of what we're trying to do at Burley? Will our subscribers, our audience, want to borrow this toy? Is it high quality? Is it durable? Is it safe to play with, to, especially to go through a sharing economy? Uh, and so I go there every year. Uh, we're actually going in two weeks' time. Uh, I usually bring my team with me as well. So we've got operations representative, we've got customer representative. We go around, we play with a lot of things, and then we decide, okay, this is what we're adding to the Worley range for this year. Yeah, that's um, that must be a fun part of the uh, 
of, of the job. And what it just, I mean, slightly going off, well, slightly off topic, but in terms of the future of play more broadly, is like it's actually quite important for adults as, as well in terms of that. And, you know, we are here, a lot of the team are interested in kind of the future of gaming and, and video games and so on. But what do you see as the importance for kind of adult play? And at the moment, your toys and the service goes up to eight, I think I'm right in saying. Do you think it can go beyond that in due course in terms of that sort of total addressable market? Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, we will aim to keep growing with our customers as well. Uh, and one thing that's quite interesting, even in our early stages, is that definitely some products in our range that I think parents actually order for themselves. Like <laughs> between us, for example, um, I once saw at one of these expos, uh, a really fantastic remote control car. Seems super durable, goes really fast, easy to navigate. And I said, let's add that to our range. But frankly, I just kind of wanted to play with it myself. <laughs> and I'm sure you get many parents that want to do that. They're kind of like, oh yeah, this is really for my child. But then when it comes in the box, they're taking it out. They're kind of taking it for a spin in the park or around their garden or what have you. Uh, we have paddling pools. We have um, you know, slides as well. That's just really good uh, fun uh, for the whole family, not just the children, but for um, adults as well. Look, I think... Um, I must say, I was looking at buying our daughter a marble run the other day, and I did yeah. sort of have a bit of a... Exactly <laughs> right. Who is this going to be for? <laughs> we have uh, some of these... Uh, we have lots of marble runs as well, and I'm sure... Uh, and I like to think that the children are all having fun with it, but I'm sure when they go to bed, the parents are setting up the most complex marble run they can think of. I used to love them when I was growing up as well. Look, um, that's, that's really nothing to say that when you go past a certain age that you, you pivot towards and should take entertainment from other sources like video games or whatnot. You know, I, I personally play a lot of video games myself, but I personally also enjoy picking up a Nerf gun every now and then and, and, and shooting them around and playing with other people as well. So I think it's maybe quite a traditional worldview um, that toys are for children. Mm. Um, I, I think toys, you know, yes, they are very important for children. They do teach children about their first ways of how to interpret the world around them and so play a really important part in their development. Uh, but there's absolutely really nothing to say that adults themselves can't also enjoy some of these more f physical toys and less so digital entertainment. There's really nothing to say that uh, if you're going out with your mates, you could bring some Nerf guns along and or some water guns and soak each other in the summer as well. Um, and so I think there's also an importance for parents, you know, if you're uh, kind of adults as well, if you're a parent, obviously joining in the playtime with your child is very um, emotional kind of bonding kind of experience with them that forms really good lasting memories for you and your children when they grow up remembering playing with you know the marble run or everything else with you uh, but if you're otherwise an adult as well you've got hobbies and interests whether it's train sets whether you're really into let's say the marvel cinematic universe and you want to collect a few action figurines and all that uh, those are things that also provide a lot of enjoyment a lot of kind of creative thinking time and a lot of you know creative play uh, which are, especially in today's world where um, work can be really stressful for people, mm -hmm. mental health is a real kind of priority across you know, many organizations. Uh, these are things that really help um, adults as well um, have some downtime. You know, back at McKinsey, uh, you, know, you can imagine burnout and stress was a really big issue, which we talked about a lot. I still remember their um, coloring books around in the office um, because something that's been demonstrated wow. properly is that you know, adults doing coloring books is very therapeutic. It helps relieve stress. 
um, which is really funny to think about. And sometimes you think, about, well, maybe we shouldn't get to the point where we need coloring books in the office. But when you do it, it actually is really great. It takes your mind off it for like five, 10 minutes. You're doing something creative. You're exercising a very different part of the brain rather than mm. thinking about Excel analytics or thinking about colors. You're thinking about kind of something creative. And so I think those kind of things are, have a really important role to play as well um, for adults and mental health more broadly. I think particularly when I'm working at home as well, it's something that I've mm. talked about with the team is like the ability to shut the laptop and do something else for half an hour is quite important. Yeah, we have a very traditional way of, of working, of you know, thinking of being at the computer, being at the desk, you know, must grind through whatever we're doing. And just sometimes, particularly with what we do with the podcast, it is quite a kind of creative medium that we're we're trying to do and, and so on. And so actually trying to unlock more of that can make a can make a huge difference. One of the things I'd be curious of your thoughts on when it comes to the future of um play and the future of toys, etc., is the idea around kind of um you know, creating sort of gender balanced, gender neutral yeah. toys and so on. You know, thinking back to, to when I grew up, it really was a kind of like blue, pink type mm -hmm. sort of world. There's lots of efforts going in to try and change that yeah. in terms of because, like you say, it is kids first interaction with the world yeah. and they just see the way that that will will be. And particularly, I think, you know, when it comes to jobs as well, it's yeah. really quite important that kids can think that they can be they can do anything that they want to and it doesn't become a gender kind of specific role. And so I'd love your kind of thoughts and reflections on that, what you're seeing through the platform regards that. Yeah, you know, the industry today is still um, not far off where it used to be. You go to a few toy shops, you go to a few websites, you will still see things listed as four boys and four girls in a very mm. kind of traditional way. Uh, we don't do any of that at Worley, um, but at the same time, we're not prescriptive uh, about what we think our philosophy is here. Our, our main goal and objective and our vision for the future here is really thinking about a holistic breadth of experiences for children and, and tying it back again to child development uh, and tying it back again into what's important for whether it's a boy or a girl, any uh, gender, is variety. Uh, it is the variety of experiences that help them figure out what their interests are, that help them build kind of skill sets in all these different areas. Uh, you know, take classically, for example, as you mentioned, like these skills can then become really important for future careers and jobs. Uh, if you talk about skills, um, playing with creative play, dollhouses, action figures, etc., helps with um, kids understanding empathy. Uh, and that's going to be really important um, for any kind of people manager today and extremely important, especially in the future uh, with remote working. It, you really need a high degree of empathy to really understand what the team culture, team morale, or what team members are kind of going through. But then, then you also think about hard skill sets, um, you know, STEM toys, language toys, communication, learning to code, etc. Um, and what we are doing at Worley is really using the development and framework of skills to help parents see what are the gaps in kind of the stuff they've played with and, and therefore uh, what else could they borrow from us. And to make sure that they are aware of this, um, and it may be implicit, unconscious biases that mean that, you know, traditionally what happens is that they've borrowed maybe not enough STEM products for, for their daughters, or maybe for the boys, they haven't borrowed enough creative thinking um, type of products as well. So that's our approach to this. Again, really providing parents with that information and transparency and framing it around holistic education and holistic development 
we don't want to be prescriptive. We think parenting is a very personal decision for most parents. And so they have to then look at that and decide for themselves, do they want to borrow these products to help their child develop certain skills? Um, and, and what we're trying to do is present all of it in a way that doesn't exacerbate any biases that exist and just presents the facts and presents the transparency. Yeah, it is all very interesting on that because it's it's definitely something I've seen, you know, father of a daughter and so on, like that there is a bit of there is inevitably a bit of gender bias that kind of gets brought up with the way that society is formed and and so on so it is very um interesting what's your favorite toy on the platform buzz lightyear action figure <laughs> it's my favorite toy probably 25 years ago it's my favorite toy today um you know i grew up being absolutely fascinated by the toy story set of movies um, obviously Toy Story 4 came out recently and, and this year I think we've got the new Buzz Lightyear movie coming out so yeah. the inner child in me is hoping that uh, when we go to the toy expos we'll see some new Buzz Lightyear toys <laughs> updated 2022 <laughs> exactly Buzz right. Lightyear and how, how many like Buzz Lightyears do you have in the in the warehouse then on that basis uh, we probably maybe have close to for some of these toys in our Toy Story range we probably have a few hundred action figures in our Toy okay. Story range with some of our most popular toys we own uh, maybe two to three hundred um, individual units of a specific skew, a specific toy. And it's really fascinating to think about like thousands of, um, you know, take for example the, the kind of walker we, we, we talked about quite a bit on this podcast. Uh, we own you know, hundreds of those, but we have thousands, tens of thousands of subscribers. Uh, and so it's really interesting to think about that community, that connection, uh, also the sustainability credentials of what we do when you visualize these are. Uh, you know, groups of 10 households that share one single walker who only need it for that couple of week period that the kid's trying to take their first steps, comes back to us, goes to another family. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think in total, across all our entire range, we own um, maybe 60, 70,000, maybe even more, close to 100,000 toys. Great. It's a lot of toys to think about. It's <laughs> yeah. quite an inventory. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do you think that that experiential side, yeah, we t- you talked about earlier that kind of going to Toys R Us, like really like magical period in in the run-up to christmas that everyone remembers from kids do you have plans for kind of a whirly experiential experience i mean look i know you're just getting going and and all this but that would that is surely on the product roadmap we absolutely love to create one um i mentioned earlier on this podcast that notion of subscribers and their children wanting to visit our warehouse we'd love to have a uh, a kind of purpose-built kind of shop or kind of a flagship experience that is designed for children to come and play um early stages as you say but the current pitch is imagine the toys are us but all the toys are unboxed you've got like soft play you've got playground you've got professional childminders there uh, you as a family maybe this is close to your home you could bring your children there on the weekend um, yeah. sit down have a cup of tea read the papers while a professional worldly childminder takes your kids off into a playground where they can play all the toys they can go around and pick and choose and have a bit of playtime for an afternoon and then when they go home they get to pick a few favorites and just bring it back home with yeah. them without paying any additional money because it's all part of your subscription and we think that would be a very unique experience um, that parents would really love as well almost like the whole notion of like going to the pay- playground now and then could people come to the worldly shop now and then and have a bit of a afternoon playtime and the parents can you know, spend some quiet time themselves while you know, their kids are being taken care of um, and then bring home toys to continue the fun at home that we think would be a really fantastic um, experience yeah that would be amazing you can certainly see how that would work in pop-up format and right. run up to christmas yeah certainly for that one of the 
biggest challenges, of course, is often shopping for kids when you don't have kids your, yourself. And you can actually use Worley to buy. Uh, you do have gift experiences, don't you? Yeah, that's right. Um, this was really popular for us over Christmas as well. Um, you can buy either a gift card, which lets your uh, recipient redeem it against any Worley plan. Or what's much more popular um, is to buy a, a set of toys as a gift uh, for your recipient. And what our gift experience does is reclaim that whole notion of returning your gift in case you want something else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've experienced this yourself, but parents often get gifts given to them that either are stuff they already have at home, uh, maybe it's uh, toys that are not the right age appropriate or skill appropriate stuff for their children, or just frankly doesn't fit with the interests of their child, feels a little bit of a waste. Uh, with Worley, any toys that have been gifted through our service can be just sent back to us in exchange for a Worley subscription. Again, part of the sharing economy. And so our, our gift experience is a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, your recipient gets to play with the toys for as long as they want, and then they get to kind of swap it else and, and join Worley and, and pick other toys to play with. Yeah, and I think it's one, it's one of those things we've encountered with, you know, parents, godparents, etc. We'll sort of mm-hmm. say, you know, well, um, you know, what does she want? Um, for Christmas, birthday, etc., and of course, it can be two or three weeks before buying the present yeah. and, and giving it at least even a quick turnaround. That is, and like you say, by then yeah. they can all change what they want. Yeah. So it is hard. So I, I can, I can see how that would be a um, that would be very appealing for um, for people as, as well, making this interesting to everyone. And we were talking beforehand as well, like you're going to offer a kind of referral code for listeners of the podcast uh, absolutely um if you want to find out more about worley just hit to our website worley.com which is w-h-i-r-l-i.com uh, happy to give listeners of this podcast a 30 percent discount on the new subscriptions they purchase for yourself or any gifts that you buy for someone else as well um to use our referral code um uh type in jimmy's jobs which is just j-i-m-m-y-s-j-o-b-s or head to worley.com slash jimmy's jobs um one word uh, and then uh, it'll be automatically applied um, on your checkout process as well. Brilliant. Well, I'm sure, given the amount of parents that we have listened to this podcast, we get the data through of 35 to 50-year-olds is, is pretty high. So um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll, well, we'll be of interest to see how popular um, it is uh, in terms of that data that you were <laughs> talking about. And we're just going to do a few uh, quick fires to kind sure. of finish off. And I, we had... Um, great fun uh kind of designing some of these questions because they are all toy related um and so what we were um we we brainstormed this as a team which was uh, which was quite um fun um some of the team are a bit younger than you and i nigel there's geriatric <laughs> mi- millennials now so we might not i had to uh, ask for clarification on some of them but hot wheels or matchbox hot wheels lego or playmobile oh lego Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon? Pokemon. Go on. What was your favorite Pokemon? Oh, um, it would be Charmander by by far. <laughs> I can literally name Pikachu. This is showing. This shows just how much uh, I, just, I, I used to know the song. I used to be able to name all the original 150 or whatever. <laughs> Were you, were you big on Pokemon Go? <laughs> no, I, was, I just think it's a reason why you went and worked at McKinsey and I didn't. <laughs> um, uh, Tamagotchi or Bop It? Uh, Tamagotchi. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. Um, Although my Tamagotchi, uh, I never could bring it to school. So I always remember coming it coming back home to find that it was, um, I think you needed to like flush its poop away or something like that. And it would just come home and be full of poop. <laughs> 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 Not the best ex- learning experience for um, how to raise a pet, I'd say. 
Yeah, it sounds similar to potty training, though. I won't <laughs> lie. Um, Play-Doh or Silly Putty? Ah, uh, Play-Doh. Mario Kart or Mario World? I'm not very big on Nintendo. Are you not? No, no, I'm more of a PlayStation person. So Call of Duty, maybe. But <laughs> Call of Duty. What games do you play now? Uh, Call of Duty is big. I play that with a group of my mates. Um, really good for kind of de-stressing quick rounds. Uh, we have uh, FIFA that we play sporadically in the office uh, as well. Yep. Um, really, really kind of good fun. Uh, and then also um, the remake of Diablo 2. Um, really nostalgic game. I played that when I was growing up um, 20 years ago. Uh, they remade it and it's uh, really good fun as well. Slinky or fidget spinner? Slinky. Um, I owned a fidget spinner once. It was, it was kind of like a fat thing. I think you guys remember a few years ago yeah. where everyone's running these things. Um have uh, what my parents describe as itchy fingers and so my fingers can't keep still and the fidget spinner was quite good for a few weeks but you know, it was one of those things I lost interest in very quickly um, Slinkies I have very fond memories of the child just, uh, we lived in a two story house in Singapore so we're uh, rolling okay. that down the stairwell is um, yeah good fun and um, pogs or football stickers oh football stickers you and me both on that okay. I, that's a brilliant way to end <laughs> Nigel it's been so great to have you on do it in person as well has been a real treat um and we'll be watching your future plans with great interest because i think it's brilliant what you're trying to do the fact that you've got ten thousand users already um is so exciting and we will um we will certainly be wishing you success all along the way thank you much appreciated if you enjoyed that episode and want to check out whirly you can visit their website at www whirly.com forward slash jimmy's jobs and you'll be eligible for a 30% discount or type in jimmy's jobs at the checkout to be clear this podcast will not take any revenue from this transaction we are purely using it as a test to see how many people will click through and we may use it for future campaigns building teams hiring and retaining talent is one of the biggest workplace challenges at the moment, particularly with the great resignation and January being the most popular time that people look for a new job. I have recently spoken at Microsoft and the National Farmers Union on similar topics. If you'd like me to come into your organisation or company and talk through what I have learned about those key issues from this podcast and my time in number 10, please do drop us a line at hello at jobsofthefuture.co and the excellent Jimmy's Jobs team will come back to you. If you really enjoyed the episode, a racing on either iTunes or Spotify makes a massive difference. And you can check out more of the backstory to the show at www.jobsofthefuture.co. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Insta, and LinkedIn at Jimmy's Jobs.